You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily NFL fantasy podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Iron. When I'm out doing this, I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for SportingNews.com. We're looking at free agency. A few more moves have happened here as teams try to lock up the personnel changes they want to make with veterans ahead of the 2023 NFL Draft. We're waiting for April 27th, uh, just about a month away from the first round of the draft. We'll have a lot more draft content for you, but... We wanted to continue to catch you up on the depth charts here for the offensive positions across the league. And we've uh, taken care of one conference. We did all that for the NFC and trying to get you there. What means for fantasy football here going forward. We're going to do that for you with the AFC. So we're going to start with the AFC East. We'll go division by division. So we'll hit all 16 teams. We'll start with the East. We'll end up in the West and uh, give you what you need to know there from all these teams in those divisions. So we'll break it down in depth starting in a moment. Thanks for making Locked On Fantasy Football your first listen every day. We're available everywhere you get your podcast. You can subscribe or follow us for free on YouTube as well. All right, it is uh, time to dive in. We'll go with our first team. It is the Buffalo Bills. And the Buffalo has had some changes here, and they're looking for more, I think. Uh, the Bills it, looking to try to close that gap between the Bengals and Chiefs. They are still fighting to get to the AFC title and win it, and it's been difficult for Buffalo. So they are a little bit cap-strapped with the Bills, so they had to adjust a little bit, but let's look at some of the key things that they did. They have a new backup quarterback, Case Keenum, is gone, so he goes back to the Texans. He's from Houston. They get a guy that played in Texas, Kyle Allen, so he's a guy behind Josh Allen now, to confuse us a little bit more, but Kyle Allen has learned pretty well. He's been with the Panthers. He's been with the Commanders, so he's a well-seasoned guy at this point, so he ends up here as the backup to Josh Allen, so they have a history, I think, going back with their college prep, so they know each other well. The system should be pretty well oriented to what one Kyle Allen does. And yeah, Matt Barkley's still hanging on as number three here, but uh, Kyle Allen probably a little bit better than Case Keenan in terms of what to expect from the system should he have to play for Josh Allen. But Allen we've seen, even with his crazy running and his big throwing elbow issues, anything like that. He's pretty durable, so you probably won't see Kyle Allen on the field and taking significant snaps here for the Bills, but I think it's a good help for Josh Allen to have him in the quarterback room there and uh, push him a little bit more in this offense. Uh, year two without Brian Dable with Ken Dorsey calling the shots. All right, at running back, big change, and they stole from the division. Devin Singletary has moved on, so he also goes to the Texans. He follows uh, Case Keenum, so they didn't really have any interest in bringing back Singletary. There was talk about them maybe going after one of these feature backs in the first round, B. John Robinson of Texas or Jameer Gibbs of Alabama, but instead they're taking a shot at Damian Harris, and I don't think this takes them away 
from Robinson and Gibbs necessarily. Harris has had a lot of durability issues, but when you look at the style of runner James Cook is, there's a lot of Ramondre Stevenson in James Cook. So that would say that you're looking at uh, Harris uh, kind of being that power back that's a little bit better than Singletary in that specific role here. So I think they envisioned that. You also have a Naeem Hines to catch passes here. So Cook is in a tough spot here. Hines being there could see some third down work. Cook has got to be solid in pass protection to stay in those passing situations on the field. He's got to show some explosiveness and durability in relation to Harris to really have some numbers here. So Harris is an interesting pickup for sure. I mean, moving on from Singletary made some sense here. Harris is just a better straight-up power runner than Singletary, so we'll see how it plays out. And the Bills are a little bit worried about his durability, but right now that's how the backfield looks like. Harris, Cook, and Hines. And wide receiver, similar familiar look here. Stefan Diggs, clearly the number one. Gabe Davis, uh, disappointing. He had nice big play potential there, but didn't get the volume with the catches and yards that uh, contained him as a fantasy asset last year. Still exceeded expectations there with some big games and touchdowns. Khalil Shakir could step into a huge role here working in the slot. They moved on from Isaiah McKenzie. They released him, so Shakir slides in. They're easily, Cole Beasley, they didn't bring back either. So Shakir is a big play waiting to happen in the slot. He could really take over as the number two target behind Diggs here. So something to watch. They really like Shakir and his route running ability. He flashed definitely when he was on the field last year. So... Really, you could have Davis being on the outside, but Shakir being busier as an interesting slot there playing off Diggs. Now, they signed another player from the division. It's Trent Sherfield. He's the number four receiver. They're the former Dolphins player. Then they added just a mix of other guys. Deontay Hardy of the Saints uh, he has some returnability there. Desmond Patman, Isaiah Coulter, Keyshawn Johnson. These are some good names that you've heard bounce around from other teams, so they're trying to fill out the depth here, but you figure it's going to be a lot of digs, and Shakir has that potential for a breakout with Davis behind him, and Sherfield also is, can be a valuable utility man. We've seen it with the Cardinals and 49ers and Dolphins, so watch out for him having a bigger role here than we expect with the Bills, but right now with the loss of McKenzie, it's really good for Shakir. At tight end, Dawson Knox has a clear hold on this spot as well. Quinton Morris remains the backup here, but Former Vikings athletic draft pick, I thought he had a shot in the NFL, but uh, has not done much in a couple of years, Zach Davidson. So he's the number three. He's got some upside there to potentially displace Morris, but Dawson Knox clearly there as the top tight end in Buffalo. And it could be a pretty key target here, given uh, the nature of the receiving core with Diggs, Davis, and Shakir being the clear lead there. On the offensive line, a little bit of change. You have Deion Dawkins still at left tackle. You have a new left guard there, Connor McGovern. He comes from from the the Cowboys, I should say, not the Jets. There is another McGovern who plays center, but McGovern, this one uh, is a guard, so he's a left guard, this Connor McGovern. You have Mitch Morse coming back, hopefully healthy at center. You have Ryan Bates still at guard, but that is now maybe not the kind of the most solid base for him to start here. And it rounds out with Spencer Brown at right tackle. They really like his upside as a young Pass protector, they brought back also David Questenberry. He can play either tackle there as a contingency. And they also signed David Edwards away from the Rams, so he could start for Bates easily, or they have a rotation between McGovern, Bates, and Edwards to see what works out the best in the interior. But when you're looking at that, the Bills are pretty intact here for the most part. The principles are there, but opening for Shakir for sure, but maybe a bump up for Knox and Damian Harris 
potentially uh, being a better scorer and power back than Devin Singletary. All right, that's a look at the Bills. We'll look in our next segment at the Dolphins and Patriots and close with the team that has the biggest aspirations, the biggest change looming here, the New York Jets. So we'll get to all these teams in the NF- AFC East. Do we? If you've missed any of the stuff with the NFC, we've got that all up for you that we caught you up there. So we've gone to NFC East to West. We're going to do that with the AFC here as well. We know what time of year it is uh, when there's no... NFL right now in the end of March, free agency is uh, slowing down, but we know the tournament to March Madness is totally heating up here with the final four about to be played. You have uh, interesting matchups for sure, Florida Atlantic and San Diego State. On the other side, you have Connecticut and Miami. So three teams that have never been there. Connecticut, of course, has won multiple national championships. But very exciting action there. And the best way to get in on that March Madness uh, tournament action is to go to FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, when you download FanDuel, it's giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in both bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash on. Sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team We'll be cutting down the net all in an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss your shot at No Sweat First Bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official betting sponsor here of the Locked On Network. Thanks again for making Locked On Fantasy Football your first listen today. It's part of Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day, your fantasy team every day here on this show. All right, let's continue looking at the depth charts in the AFC East. We're up to the Miami Dolphins. Change your quarterback for them. Tua Tagovailoa is still the starter, but Mike White replaces Teddy Bridgewater as the backup. So Mike White did enough in a Jets uniform and a very uh, – 49ers adjacent offense for Michael LaFleur to get the attention of Mike McDaniel. So Mike White ends up behind Tua ahead of uh, Skylar Thompson, who really cost him in that playoff game, just was not prepared to start well for Tua. So White maybe gives him a better shot should Tua's durability issues continue. Gives him a little bit of upside and arm instead of uh, Bridgewater there is just to kind of limit it at this stage in his career. So Mike White, I don't think it's a splashy move, but I think it's enough of a move right now for a veteran QB and also suggests that Tua is going to be the clear starter here. Raheem Mostert was re-signed as well as Jeff Wilson Jr., as well as Miles Gaskin. That's how the depth chart reads a running back still. So Mostert getting a shot late in his career, coming off all his knee injuries, but he was their best, most explosive back last season. And Wilson came over from the 49ers once that team acquired Christian McCaffrey. So first full offseason season ahead for Wilson. As a Dolphin, Gaskin still in the mix, and Salvan Ahmed still the number four. So not much to see there in terms of change for the Dolphins' uh, same backfield for sure. At wide receiver, there is a change. Uh, you got Tyreek Hill and Jed Waddle, dominant uh, co-number ones in this offense. That's the way they produced last year in fantasy. Waddle and Hill getting the job done in different ways, but still both having big seasons. Now, interesting that they moved on here from... The key target in Sherfield. So Braxton Berrios is listed as the number three receiver right now. That's interesting. Another kind of slotty guy there in between with Hill and Waddle having a success in that role. So Berrios, the former Jet, maybe they just like him operating that offense with the Dolphins. So 
guy that can get open pretty fast. So he comes in as the number three. Cedric Wilson slides to number four. He couldn't stay on the field healthy, the former Cowboy last year, to contribute. So we'll see what he can do. River Craycraft is back in the mix. He's also a guy that was in San Francisco and Miami. I think Eric Izukanma can do more. He's a young receiver that I've liked with the upside, but not getting the opportunity to break through too much. So he's buried on the depth chart here at number six. And a notable name there after... Those guys, uh, Freddie Swain, he was the former Seahawks uh, third receiver for Russell Wilson. So he's in the mix as well. But Berrios stepping up as the three and kind of being a slot-centric, uh, slot-forward type of uh, passing game is very interesting for Mike McDaniel. All right, let's go to tight end. They didn't sign Mike Gusecki. He went to the Patriots. So we'll break his role down in a moment here as we get to that team. But He's gone, so you have now Durham Smythe. He's flashed a little bit as a receiver in the opportunity. So this is a tight end core used to be deep. Remember, we had Gusecki and Adam Shaheen and some other bodies. Well, now Durham Smythe is a clear number one here. Tanner Connor, a youngster, is number two. And Eric Sobert, uh, picked up from the Broncos, is number three. So Durham Smythe has an opportunity here, given Berrios is their third receiver. But keep in mind also the Dolphins with Tua tend to funnel a lot through Hill and Waddle, a lot. So that... There's a slight opening there, but I'm not going to bang the table for either Berrios or Smythe. There is a third target to really go after in fantasy just quite yet until we hear more reports from what their roles might be going forward in OTAs and minicamp and then eventually training camp. At depth chart at uh, the offensive line, you got Taron Armstead. Hopefully he'll be fully healthy. He's battled multiple injuries last year. Had to miss some time. Liam Eikenberg liked him. Notre Dame, he's a left guard. Connor Williams, the former Cowboys standout, he's holding things down in the middle. Robert Hunt and Austin Jackson, there's been some continuity there on the right side with that guard and tackle. So pretty decent offensive line. I wouldn't say blows away, but Armstead being out there and now Connor Williams in the middle, you got to feel pretty good that it won't be a detriment to what the Dolphins are to, trying to do with Tua Tagovailoa, the running game, and McDaniel. All right, let's uh, go from uh, McDaniel to McDaniel's former team, the Patriots. So their quarterback depth chart, very familiar here. You have Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi. So they saw Zappi enough to say, okay, he's going to be a strong backup for Jones whenever we need it. And maybe a competition for Jones down the line if, if Mac should struggle. But Bailey Zappi comes in there. Is the number two. They don't have another quarterback at the moment. Ramondre Stevenson becomes the top back in New England, so that's good news for his value as a RB1, RB2 borderline next year. You stay a little bit worried because it is the Patriots. They did also pick up James Robinson from the Jets. So James Robinson behind Ramondre Stevenson, a good opportunity to rebound for the farm, former Jaguar. Pierre Strong, they like him. He's the number three. And Ty Montgomery is number four. So interesting mix of backs there. But you figure it's going to be Stevenson-Robinson, one-two punch. Robinson being more of the power guy. They can get the key touches between the tackles. Battle could develop between him and Pierre Strong. And then you look at Stevenson uh, handling the key receiving work, the red zone duty, all the good stuff on top of the yardage there for the Patriots' new number one running back. All right, wide receiver, the big change was Nelson Aguilar's out, but Juju Smith-Schuster, a bigger slot, is the number one. So you have Juju Smith-Schuster, you have Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne, Tyquan Thornton, Lynn Bowden Jr., former gadget player of the Dolphins. So Juju, I think, just gives them a little bit more versatility because he's big enough to play outside. I think he was going to be their number one target. They gave him a sizable deal here, and they've had limited returns from the rest. Uh, Parker can't stay on the field. Bourne 
has been very flashy and not consistent here of late. So Juju Smith-Schuster really like him uh, being schemed open quite a bit here for this team and being treated by a short number one here by Mac Jones. So Juju, I think, would have a lot of fantasy value for sure as the default number one receiver. But when you're looking at the rest, uh, just a little bit piecemeal with the way they get those big plays. At tight end, uh, this is where we're going to watch it because if uh, the wide receivers are not so reliable after Juju, you have Hunter Henry first on the depth chart. They moved on from Jonah Smith, made a trade with the Falcons. So Hunter Henry still first on the depth chart, but Mike Gusecki is now his tight end mate. So interesting to put Gusecki with another top inline tight end, but that's what tells you they might use some 12 personnel here in New England. Uh, Bill O'Brien is back. He made good use of that before. So, again, they didn't like Jonah Smith's availability issues and durability, but they get Mike Isecki, who's been just a beast there and has some Gronk-like receiving qualities to him. I think it's a matter of rounding out his blocking, but if you use 12 personnel, you have that versatility where you can use Henry as a blocker, Gusecki as the move tight end. So something to look there. Matt Sokol and Scotty Washington round out the depth chart there tight end. But I'm really intrigued by the value of Henry and Gusecki. We've seen these uh, tight ends go off before at the same time in New England for Bill O'Brien, it happened with uh, Rob Gronkowski and the late Aaron Hernandez. So it definitely has some potential there with the wide receiver core being thin. On the offensive line, pretty similar to what we've seen before. Trent Brown is a left tackle. Cole Strange, they loved him as a first-round pick. And uh, you got a very good center there in David Andrews. Michael Wenyu, a pretty good right guard. And Riley Reef added uh, just for a little bit of makeshift action there at right tackle. So there you have a look at the now Dolphins and Patriots. And... Their key offensive uh, depth chart changes here. After free agency, going into the draft for fantasy football, we will break down the team that's uh, made the most headlines here, and they're still waiting for that big player that they are supposedly going to acquire. We'll get into that with the Jets in our final segment there. Make sure you're checking out all the great shows here on the network. Don't uh, miss Lockdown NFL Draft. A good breakdown of the prospects, the pro days, everything going to come down to the wire here and making those decisions while teams are on the clock. So check it out. Lockdown NFL Draft has got you covered there as well as we do from the fantasy angle there with our expected changes with a lot of uh, good stuff. Uh, rookies ready for more big roles after last year. All right, speaking of rookies in big roles, how about Garrett Wilson there from the Jets? He dominated as a number one receiver last year, so he's locked in there with that offense, but the new quarterback we're looking at with the Jets, Aaron Rodgers, they're just waiting to pick him up. I mean, he's declared that he's going to be a Jet. The Packers and Jets have to figure out this compensation soon here. We have uh, the Jets right now left with Zach Wilson and Chris Strebler at tight end. They need Zach Wilson gone and in a, maybe a developmental role at best here, but Aaron Rodgers is projected to be their starting quarterback here still, so we do like that uh, major upgrade. Chris Streveler, the former Cardinal, is the number three quarterback. So we'll see what they do with Zach Wilson. It's hard to move someone like that on a rookie contract, all guaranteed, especially the number two overall pick. But when you look at it, I think you just have to do what's best for the team. And right now, Rodgers has got to be a bigger part of what they're doing. And uh, just say, look, he is the guy, and we're going to get him a few of his guys to make him really feel comfortable here. So... Rodgers, I think it will be a quick study in this offense for sure with Nathaniel Hackett taking over. So everything is 
pointed toward Rodgers in New York, and everything will happen there in due time. And running back, we're going to wait for Brees Hall to come back from his multiple knee injury. We're seeing it could be a committee approach uh, between the rest of the backs, but they did re-sign Ty Johnson. They do have uh, still Zonovan Knight on their team, so that's uh, something to look at. And Michael Carter, so... They need to figure out who's going to be the best explosive option. I mean, Carter has some of those qualities. I think Johnson is the steadier guy here. Zonovan Knight did flash quite a bit when Hall and the rest weren't available. So they just had to figure it out in camp behind the scenes. They feel most comfortable carrying the heavy load there of that group. But once uh, Hall is out, once he comes back, of course, it'll fall on Brees Hall to stay healthy and be very active in the passing game. All right, at wide receiver, Garrett Wilson is waiting for Aaron Rodgers to arrive here. He's got Corey Davis. We'll see if they can keep him. They probably will now that they traded Elijah Moore to the Browns. So Corey Davis may be saved as a cap casualty. They still could cut him and look for a young receiver. Al Lazard is your number two there that you look at with uh, Wilson. And then you're looking at, looking at Corey Davis. He can make some big plays on the outside, but Lazard can line up as a big slot. He can be on the outside. So that's going to help Wilson's versatility in his route running as well. Miko Hardman is a good fourth option here. Should it not play out with Lazard, that Hardman can work the slot, make some big plays, help the return game. There's a lot of things he can do. And I think the Jets' bottom line are looking for bigger plays from their offense. And then when you add... Guys such as Lazard and Hardman, you're looking for that. And uh, Corey Davis has been slowing down a bit of a plotter here. The Wilson drafting says it was pretty much ending for Davis. So, look, I, I think these guys could have value. There's also, if you look at it deeper, there's Denzel Mims and uh, Malik Taylor. So, I don't know if they're going to get more of Aaron Rodgers' guys in, but Hardman has a Patrick Mahomes guy, so that might work out really well. And uh, we know that. Lazard is a Packers guy, so it's pretty tight here with what the Jets are doing. Just kind of circling the wagons, ready for pulling the trigger on the Rodgers deal. At tight end, uh, Tyler Conklin and CJ Uzoma, their two free agent pickups from last year from the Bengals and Vikings, respectively, are still on top here. Not much to see here. Conklin is the better athletic player with the receiving skills, but Uzoma can also catch short passes in the red zone. So. For a little bit more consistency, I'm going Conklin in the scoring league. Mike goes up uh, there to take a shot at those touchdowns. Now, Kenny Yiba and Jeremy Ruckert close out that tight end room for the Jets. All right, finally, let's look at the Jets' offense line. Mackay Becton should be okay to take over at left tackle now. Leisure of Air Tucker, same thing at right guard. You have uh, Lakin Tomlinson in the second year from the 49ers. At left guard, Wes Schweitzer coming over from the Commanders to be the center. And they really liked him down the stretch last year, Mike Max Mitchell. So they're going to replace right now their option up front, Dwayne Brown. He's ancient. He's been a great fill-in for Becton or wherever they need, a left tackle, right tackle here. So it's time to think about a tackle of the future that could definitely come in the draft to replace Mitchell. So a lot of things we want to think about here with this whole division, but definitely the Jets have the biggest question mark with the biggest upside looming out there because of Rodgers. But... Every other team, I mean, pretty status quo with what you can expect with the changes here, but uh, definitely good to catch up here on this division because very competitive and things change very quickly, as we can see, based on these depth charts and newer personnel for so many teams. All right, thanks again for making Locked on Fantasy Football your first listen every day. Barring any breaking news that comes out of the NFL with Lamar Jackson and Rodgers, we'll come back tomorrow looking at the AFC North teams 
and looking at the depth charts there. Now, make your second listen to Locked on NFL Scouting with the draft dudes from free agency to draft salary cap management and more. Join NFL experts Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino as they take you through what it's like to build a successful NFL franchise every Monday through Friday. Find Locked on NFL Scouting with the draft dudes wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. For Locked On Fantasy Football, for this look at the AFC step charts, has been Vinny Iyer. Check us next time where we're planning to look at the AFC North and those four teams there.